on the last couple Sundays of the month, we are uh, inviting um, different ones to share uh, their story of uh, encounter with God and uh, whether it be something recent, whether it be some a work that he's been doing. And this morning, uh, Joy Crompton is going to be sharing with us. Hello, my wonderful church family. You can come up here with me. You want to sit down next to me? That'd be easier. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things God is always at work doing. But there's particular, when they asked me to share, my parents asked me to share something, I thought, well, let me think if I can whittle it down to one particular thing. So many of you will know that um, our third child, Levi, was kind of in crises at the end of my pregnancy. And then after he was born, and that was a total miracle. I truly believe he's alive because of prayer. Um, so, And I've tried to whittle down this story into just a couple minutes. Part of that story involves paying for the medical care that he needed when he was born. Um, four years ago, Benjamin and I bought, bought our first home. And when we entered our marriage, we had a significant amount of student loan debt. Um, and that was overwhelming to us for many years. And in 2018, we were at the point where we were going to be able to finish paying that off by the end of the year and be finally done after 16 years of marriage with all of our student loan debt. Um, We had made a commitment at the time that we bought our home, which was four years ago, that we would not incur any further debts. We wouldn't, like, get a car loan or a couch loan or whatever people get loans for. Um, we would just say, no more, nothing more new. Let's just finally get to the bottom of this. And then we did a lot of changes to our um, spending so that we were able to pay off about $20,000 per year over those four years. And we were really excited to be completed with that by the end of 2018. Um, But then we got pregnant, which we had wanted to get pregnant, so it wasn't like it was a huge surprise, but the timing just coincided. And... We got a nice tax refund, and we needed a car. We had been a one-car family for between four and five years as part of our plan to save money and get out of debt. And it was finally the end of that. I have two part-time jobs, and we just couldn't make it work borrowing cars anymore. So we used our tax refund to buy a van. And then we needed to pay for our midwife, which is a substantial amount of money out of pocket that insurance doesn't cover. And at the beginning of my pregnancy, I read a book. I don't remember the exact title, but it's by Carl Medeiros. And the subtitle has something to do with fear to faith, a journey from fear to faith. And I felt that as I read that book at the beginning of my pregnancy, that I've always struggled with fear and worry as long as I can remember. And when people would talk about, you know, faith and believe God that he can overcome or he can do it, I just really had a hard time moving that concept from my head to my heart and being able to be in a difficult season and not be overcome with fear and worry in my heart. Uh, Partway through my pregnancy, I touched part of a lamp with wet hands and I had a substantial electric shock go through my body. And I was, of course, you Google, which you should never do when you're pregnant. (laughs) Because it'll tell you all sorts of terrible things. And... Uh, What I Googled was, of course, not comforting at all. So I went out into this green space that we have behind our home that's public uh, flood control area. 
and I had all the, the other two boys with me and was just walking around with this big belly in the grass and the trees and trying to center myself over what had just happened and praying. And I prayed that I would feel the baby move, and he instantly kicked me, so I knew he was still alive. <laughs> and, um, and then I just began to say, Lord, how are you at work? What are you at work doing in me right now? And I felt, for the first time that I can really remember having felt this so clearly, I'm going to be okay. This baby's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And I just prayed. I prayed all day long. And every time that I began to think or worry, I just prayed. And I know you hear people talk about that, but I hadn't experienced that yet. (laughs) This was my first experience of having something that what felt really scary and having the Lord come and just walk with me. And every single time I began that thought process to be able to say, you're with me. We're going to be okay. Uh, You have a plan for this child. Um, And then towards the end of my pregnancy, I started feeling some weird itching on my body, which led to some blood work and then a diagnosis of a condition called cholestasis where the mom's liver is failing to clean toxins out of her body and allowing those toxins to spill over into the baby's body. And this condition can cause stillbirth. Um, They don't know what causes cholestasis. They don't know how to fix cholestasis. The only thing they know how to do is get the baby out of your body so it can live. But the risks of that at that point in my pregnancy were still pretty high, so they wanted me to wait till 37 weeks. Um, if you don't know, my first two children were born at home with a midwife, and that was the plan for this third baby. I had two great home births with the first two. There were, as always with birth, some amount of complications, but everything that the midwives had the skill to handle at our home. And uh, this was going to shake things up to have to be induced at 37 weeks. I didn't know what was going to happen. If I was going to have to go to a hospital and get under medication, and I know those things aren't scary for people who have delivered babies in hospitals, but I hadn't, and so that seemed scary to me to not be in my home in my safe place in the way that I had birthed my other two children. Um, so we made some changes to the birth plan, and I was ended up able to deliver Levi at a birth center, which is located across the street from a hospital. Um, they have a lot of great equipment, and when he was born, he wasn't breathing well. And so they gave him oxygen, and then after a few hours, they just said, he's not going home. He's going to need to go to NICU. So ambulance came and transported him to NICU, and um, it had nothing to do with his birth, and nobody could ever give me any answers as to what had happened to him. My own research suggests that the condition that I had actually caused lung damage for him that he had to overcome in the first few weeks of his life. So he was in NICU for 16 days. Up until this point, we had paid for all these big expenses, a new car and an expensive midwife and all of these things along the way. We'd been able to pay for them, cash flowing them over the year, not accruing new debt. And we had made this commitment four years ago. We're not going to have any new debt. We're going to, you know, get the rest of this debt paid off by the end of the year. And here we were now facing a hospital stay. And luck, thankfully, we had a cap to what we could have to pay for that hospital stay um, but a couple weeks after Levi got home, the bills just started rolling in. And every time I checked the mail, it would be another amount of money that we owed to somebody else for some other part of his care. And if you've ever been in the hospital and had to manage those type of bills, you know how overwhelming that can be. And how, you know, that doctor we chatted with for five minutes cost $3,000. And on and on it goes. You know, and thankfully we have insurance and it paid for the majority of it. But the amount that we were going to have to pay was way in excess of um, what we had available to us. And 
I just said, Lord, we just trust you. So I had, I don't know how many bills I had on like $20 a month payment plans, letting them know this is all I can do. I have stacks of you guys. You can take $20 a month and one of these days I'll have the money to pay the rest of it off. Um, so uh, Benjamin is a part owner on some property that he inherited from his grandparents in Minnesota. And up till this point, it's only cost us money. We've had to contribute for some expenses and some property taxes each year. This year, they cut down a bunch of trees that his grandpa had planted many, many years ago. And about a couple weeks after the medical bills finally stopped coming in because we hit our out-of-pocket max for the year, the checks started coming in. And every few days, we'd open the mailbox and there would be another check for $300 or $800 or $1,500. And in the next couple weeks that followed, every one of our medical bills was completely paid off by the sale of the lumber from the property. And we got to chunk a couple thousand more at the remaining student loan debt. So we still have a little bit of student loans left. And... uh, I am confident that the Lord is going to provide for those by the end of the year. In fact, we have some cash and savings, and now we're saying, Lord, how much of that belongs to the church for what he has in store right now? Because I think of the many things that I journeyed through and learned in that process, one huge thing was that money is just not a big deal to God. It's What's a big deal to him is that we're faithful, whether that's with our time or our money or our children or our resources or our screen time or anything else, our faithfulness is a priority to him. And so our faithfulness with money is a priority. But finding money and providing money is just not on his radar for things to worry about. And so I trust him and I was able to journey even more from being afraid and worrying about all of these things. And I think even as those bills came in, I wasn't It was overwhelming that the bills were coming in, but I was not feeling the overwhelm that I guess I would have experienced in my in my previous years of my life. And that journey from being afraid and worrying toward being faithful. (laughs) I know. Thank you for being my comic relief. Anyway, so as we journey into this church property and whatever is going on in your own family financially um, or medically, just know that, um, that, and I'd be happy to pray with you after the service, I guess, because I couldn't convince anybody else, and no one could convince me, I guess, to change what was going on in my head and to move that knowledge of God at work from my head to my heart. And I really feel that during all of that sequence of events that that's what he was at work doing in me. It wasn't about the medical. It wasn't about the electrical shock. It wasn't about, you know, the money. All it was about the journey of where he was at work with me, taking me out of fear and worry and into a place where I can walk with him through anything. And uh, shortly before I got, about two weeks before I had the diagnosis, actually, in my pregnancy, I was telling my midwife something about this and just realizing I feel the Lord has brought me to a place where I can walk with him. And if I were to lose this baby... I could walk with him. And if this baby comes out damaged, I could walk with him. Um, that he is bringing me to a place where I can walk with him through anything. And she said, are you having a premonition that something's going to go wrong in your pregnancy? Because this was before everything started happening. And I was like, no, I just know that's the journey he has me on. So I'm just grateful that he prepared me in advance to walk through all of that. 
And um, so anyway, I guess if, it, if that just hits home with anybody, I'd love to pray with you after the service today. And, um, and uh, let's let, thank you for letting me share the Lord at work in our lives. Thank you, Joy. So I'm Kevin Young. I'm occasionally I teach, but right now my my purpose is uh, I'm the explainer. I don't know. Did kids leave? Do they want to go to kids' church? If you want to go, you're welcome to go. I think they're gone. They just know those things. So I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in our church, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little history because. Some of you have been around a long time. Some of you are here for the first time, perhaps. And it'll help you just kind of understand what's been going on. So I'm going to take you back to 2014. 2014, our board, which is a six-person board, which we're also known as The Six. And it is Randy and Clara and Cindy and I and Juan and Donna. And that is The Six. And we spent some time trying to figure out what in the world is the purpose of our church. Why are we? What, what is it we're about? And out of that effort in 2014 came a statement of purpose, which Becky alluded to. Actually, she shared it this, this morning. We are part of the great family of God. And we, we have come to call that purpose statement our narrative. It's the thing that aligns us as to what we're about, which is we're seeking, you know, we're part of his family. We're seeking together to become like Jesus in, in every way. We have the Spirit of God who empowers us to do it. And we know that we need to experience his love in order to have love to share with him, with one another, and with this world that he loves. So that's kind of where we got started. And asked, after we had that narrative, we began a discernment process. And that discernment process turned out to be a multi-year discernment process. Uh, I think we referred to it at various times as our wandering through the wilderness because it was hard and long. I mean, it went on for years. Uh, And our purpose in that discernment process was to understand how is it we're supposed to, as a people, live out this narrative. You've given us this purpose, but how do we do that? How do we experience your love? How do we become like Jesus? And along the way, we had some retreats, and and a key event, uh, kind of a milestone that happened in 2017 during our retreat was Donna Campos kind of got a prophetic download. I'll just call it prophetic download. That's the way I have, that's how I phrase now, you know, when it seems like God is speaking and he's giving you some clear guidance or insight, this is like a prophetic download. And in that prophetic download, there were words like Pentecost. And that as we were intentional to seek to be like Jesus together as a group of people, not as individuals, that it would be the beginning of awakening in the church. And that God was going to develop a vigorous spiritual community as we were faithful to meet with him as a group. So there was something a little different in that discernment of him wanting to bring us together as people as brothers and sisters, as a family, as a group, not as individuals, kind of each on our own track and journey. And one of the things that came out of that prophetic download was this sense that we were to invite others to join in that discernment process with us. And we began meeting just about a year ago on Friday evenings at Randy and Clara's. And it's sort of anybody that can come, 
is invited to come and join us on Friday evenings as we continue with the discernment process. And so that's what we've been doing pretty much for, you know, the last three, four years with, uh, with a, a more expanded group over the last year. And then along that way, I would say an important thing happened with Clara. Um, we had Alice Ware and Terry that left uh, to go to Arizona. And it was a big loss because those of you that know Alice know how much of a support Alice was to the church and to keeping things going. And Clara, I think, towards the end of last year, got to that point of like, I, I just don't know if I can do this. I need, I need some time to figure out what it is that I'm doing. So the six, or maybe the five, figured out that it was good for her to take some time away, take a sabbatical. And so last December, Clara went on sabbatical for not quite a couple of months, but on into January, with the idea being that she needed to discern for herself, you know, what is it that I'm called to? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Because it seems like we've gotten to a place that's not really sustainable. So maybe think about that as kind of a low place in the journey. Hmm, what's going to happen? Well, she returned, and I'm summarizing greatly because there's a lot more color that could be added to this, but she came back in January, I would say, really impacted by what God had to speak to her and refreshed and with a clear sense that, hey, I'm good for another five years as pastor. Okay. So as of late January, we're talking, this is March still, right? We're just talking two months ago. Well, hey, the pastors are going to be around for a while. Yay. <laughs> There's some good news. And we have this other thing that was kind of looming out there that was in our minds, and it was one of those things that you're like, yeah, well, we're going to have to face that sooner or later, and that is that this building that we're in, which we've been in for nearly five years, well, yeah, thank you, ten years, but five years of this current lease, the lease ends in, at the end of July. And so the way these leases work is you get to re-up for another five years, but at a higher cost. And so there was that going on and some other kinds of concerns about the building and the lease and, and the cost of, of all of that. And so that's kind of where we were in January, which brings me to what I would consider to be a fairly uh, whirlwind-like last several weeks. And the whirlwind... Uh, has included discovering this property for sale over at 7700 Tesla Oaks. There's a picture of it. It's a home of a, used to be home of a Nazarene church. Hasn't been occupied for a year or two. And we began visiting that property. Uh, all of the six went over. A lot of you have been able to make it over to the property on occasion to take a look at it, see the building, see the land. It's a five-acre piece of land. It's got uh, a number of buildings on it. It's got uh, probably some work that's going to need to be done. It's got tremendous amount of potential. But in the course of all of that visiting, Levi's lungs are very healthy, aren't they? <laughs> Just to be clear about that. Yeah, not a problem over there. Um, we got a clear sense that God was kind of leading us to that place. And I think if you just stop for a minute and think about how the year ended and the uncertainty and kind of the, mm, where is this going to go? And, oh, by the way, there's this big thing out there called a lease renewal. 
Just think about where we are today. It's, it's a miracle. It's an amazing turn of events. And so I think we had a sense of that that's the place that God is leading us to. He's not leading us to renew the lease. And we made an offer on it. We did the, the dance, you know, the counter, and then I counter that, and you counter that, and it looked like a waltz. And uh, as of last Sunday, we reached an agreement to try to purchase that property, and we are under contract now. So that's where we are, and I'm going to ask Clara to come up here and share a little bit about the discernment that went into getting us to this point. And then I have a few more things I'll say after that. This is going to be the hardest part because I have 22 minutes worth, and I have five minutes? Okay. I'm going to do a lot of cutting here. Yeah. So I'm just going to look at my notes and see what I'm going to cut out here. You know, we've been doing a lot of waiting. When people wait, it looks like nothing's happening. You ever notice that? Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> and it looks like a nothing. But it's not a nothing. It's a something when you're waiting on God. And so we've been waiting on God as a board, as a church, myself. And God has been at work. Um, on December 21st, I'm just going to share a few entries from some of my Sabbath time and since coming back because it's all part of the discernment process. Because on December 21st, or well, I left December 6th, on December 21st, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> no clue. And here's what Papa's saying. The road with the six has felt at times very long, slow, and painful. And you have waited and waited for me to act. Clara, when you see me move, it will feel like a suddenly. It's going to come upon you, and it will feel like, how did we get here? But it will not be a suddenly. I want you to know that I have been at work the whole time that you have felt that nothing was happening. My ways are not like your ways. Now, I'm talking about God speaking to me, but when he speaks to me, he's also speaking to you. So I don't know what your situation is that you're waiting for, but I just want to encourage you is not a nothing. God is at work. I have purposes in my plans. While you wait, I am doing... I am doing what I have wanted to do for a long time in the six of you in the church. What I have been doing is about me. This is God speaking. It is about me, beloved. I have only good plans for the six, for the Vineyard Church, and San Antonio. I have no intention to harm her or snuff her out. I intend to bless her and cause her to prosper. Wait until you see what I'm going to do in these next five years. It will go beyond your imagination and your experience. So this is in December, prior to knowing. You know, I'm still figuring out what am I supposed to do and who am I, and he's just speaking clearly. And this is a word for us. Vineyard Church, you are not alone. None of you are. I have brought you together. I am doing this work in you, each of you. Bring that part which I have given you. It is needed to reach the lost. So, and then God said, why I will have my way. And why will I have my way? Because you have laid down your agenda, your own ambitions, your ideas and opinions at my feet. And you have said, we only want to do what you want. 
That's what he's been doing. And, you know, uh, we get pregnant women around here once in a while. And, you know, you look at that body, and it is changing. You know something is going on. And as her body enlarges and increases, you know it's getting closer and closer. But you still have to wait for revelation. You still have to wait for it to come. But we can see it. What I am doing is I'm teaching you, the six and the church, to learn to work together and to hear my voice. There are very few churches that will do that. This level of listening, this level of waiting. Very few will allow my slow work. But you, you will wait. And you will listen. And you will act when I speak. Another word for the church, the six and the vineyard church are being groomed. You are being groomed for what is to come so that you can sustain and stand under what I am going to do. So watch and see what I'm about to do. Okay. Another thing is, um, over the years, the Lord has given a lot of prophetic words to us, and they've always seemed quite grand. And I'm not a very grand person. And so I pretty much dismissed them. And the Lord said, stop it. Stop dismissing those grand words. And that is not only true for me, but it's true for you. Just stop it. So, okay, I'm going to skip so much here. Um, One of the days in January 12th, I felt this wind of joy just coming to me, and I knew I was caught up in his joy. And he said, Clara, it's like when you bought this gift for your kid for Christmas, and you can hardly wait to open it, and it's October. And you've got to wait. And he says, I have been holding this gift for you and for the Vineyard Church, and I can hardly wait to give it to you. So that was uh, sweet. Again, not knowing anything. Okay, let's jump into March 1. See, I'm doing good. I wrote on my journal. So, you know, on Fridays we get together. We do this uh, journey discerning thing. I don't even know what to call it anymore. But uh, many of you have come. Once, several of you have come many times. And it's open to anyone. So if you haven't gone, come because it's different every week. And uh, one of the times it was just four of us. And this is what I experienced. Um, And some of you have heard this, but it's It needs to be said now. Um, I heard the Lord saying, Clara, are you willing to imagine with me? And I was insecure, apprehensive. I wasn't really sure I could trust myself to do that. And so I said, Lord, would you give me an image to help me understand what you're doing? So I just stilled myself and just got quiet and waited. And then he showed me a picture of a cocoon. And he said, this is what I have put you in. The vineyard for the last 10 years or so, and many of you have been in a cocoon, formed by God. God has put us in a cocoon, and he's been in the process of creating that grub and transforming it and healing it for such a time as now. It wasn't anything bad we did, nothing bad you've done. God was doing that. And, you know, if you're a grub, I don't think you have an imagination for being a butterfly. I'm just thinking, I doubt that that ability to imagine what he's going to do is beyond our capacity to understand. 
And then I saw us emerging out of the cocoon, and then I saw a monarch butterfly flying around. That's cool. And then I heard the Lord say, Clara, there's something I've wanted to share with you. It is a burden that I have, but you've not been ready until now. And this is when he showed me that he pains over the lost. And we were not ready yet. We were still a grub. Now, very inviting to be able to be the kind of people that were ready to care for the lost. So the next morning, and, and that night, I also heard him say, your time at Echo Square has come to an end. Now, when you hear a direct word like that, it doesn't just involve you, but involves y'all. That made me a little nervous because that's exactly the kind of thing I don't want to hear. I do not want to hear directed messages like that and say it. And he just said, you know what? Don't be afraid. You're not alone. You're not discerning this alone. Give that to the six. Let them discern if that was of me. Let the church discern if that was of me. So, church, none of us are alone. We each have each other. We have each other to discern the things that are going on in our lives. You know, in the past, you've not had a value for that. And we've not known how to do that. And we've been learning over these last four years how to slow down and wait and discern and listen and wait. And then, bam, we act when we hear his voice. And so this invitation is just not for how the six is going to make decisions. It is for the church. I've told you that the next five years will go beyond what you have imagined or experienced up to this point. I will help you to use the gift of imagination. My gift to dream on behalf of the Vineyard Church. I have been healing your imagination and healing you from hurts that you've experienced. I'm healing you so I can use your imagination for my purposes. You know, I have stopped dreaming. And when you stop dreaming, you're kind of dead. And I was afraid to dream. And the Lord said, I made you a dreamer. Now dream, Clara. Dream big. Let my vineyard grow. This is no time for pruning. Let her bud and let her blossom, and let her grow. So if any of you have found that a little bit of you has stopped dreaming, I want to pray for you at the end. I'm not going to take the time to do that now because I believe he wants to entrust you the same kind of healing he's entrusted to me so that you can dream. Okay, March 6th. Repeat. I won't do that one. Okay, now I just want to show you, share with you quickly some of how the church has been discerning in this process. Not just the six, but the, the y'all. Jennifer comes up this morning, new member, trained to be, uh, she can do ministry prayer, social prayer. She's a spiritual director, great little lady. We were glad to have her. And she came one time to our group on Friday, and she, we're looking through the narrative again, and she says, you know that part where it says loving the lost and hurting? I'm not really sure I know how to do that. You know, and when she said that, I just thought, dang, she's right. We don't know. Well, that's interesting. And then Bob, who also is a new member, 
he's working with Sean over Connect. And he says, Clara, I had this dream. In fact, I had it two times. So I think I need to pay attention. I had a dream that I had won the lottery. And I dreamed that I was to buy the church its own freestanding building and a large sign. And I even had the discussion with God about how much I should give towards that answer. And the answer was, just whatever it takes. Joy, our worship leader who shared this morning. When she walked into Tesla Oaks, she started to cry. That's the name of the church area. And she felt and thought, God, you really love the vineyard. You have loved her all along, all these 23, 24 years. You have loved the vineyard during the hard times and the good times. And then she said this, which I wasn't sure I'd ever hear her say again. I love our church. You know, when you raise kids in the church and you're senior pastors, your kids feel the effect probably stronger than you would imagine. And so she had a little part of her that was a little still broken, a little hurting, but that day it was healed. Toby, Jack's kids, they're going to say things, and you've got to listen to them because they're prophets in the making. And uh, little Toby, who's four, said when he got to the church, I want to move into this church right now. <laughs> and Jack said, Grandmama, I'm saving up all of my money. I have $13 I want to give to the church. Cindy McBride, intercessor, spiritual director, after seeing the facility, she kind of drove off. I don't know that she felt too much, but by the time she got to 410, She experienced this. I was overcome with intercession. The tears flowed as I bawled over the sense that we need this church, not for ourselves, but for the sake of the broken community around it. The intercession was so strong and deep, I only relented when I finally arrived to my destination. Nydia, newer member of the church that walks in faith and boldness. First time she saw the church, she said, it's ours. Just start praising the Lord. It's ours. <laughs> I love Hispanic blood. <laughs> and then another time recently, she saw young people worshiping in the amphitheater and lost ones were being found. Janice, member who sees and hears from the Lord, says, this is the first of steps. It's ours. Martha, intercessor, you've come into green pastures, fertile ground, where we can begin to plant. Soon the rains, refreshing, will come and water the seed. I ask, Lord, what do you want to be for us now that we have not been able to be for us before, that you've not been able to be for us before? I saw Jesus as a carpenter hammering nails on a roof. He was focused, working away. He had a bandana around his head, sweating, working hard. My impression was Jesus wants to be the builder of this new phase. Praise God. Brennan, you may know this or not, but the founder of our movement is John Wimber. The Vineyard Movement is John Wimber, and Eb, um, Brennan is his nephew. And he came to see the church, and uh, he noticed that there was a spinet piano in the sanctuary and a hymnal laying there. And so he said to himself, I wonder what this will say to me. It's a Nazarene hymnal. And it opens up to him 311. And it is the Spirit song, one of many songs that John Wimber has written. That's 
significant. Nazarenes are not like John Wimber. <laughs> and that he would randomly open that book with that thought in his heart and then to see his uncle's name in a song. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with his spirit and his love. Let him fill your heart and satisfy your soul. Oh, let him have the things that hold you. And his spirit like a dove will descend upon your life and make you whole. Oh, Jesus, come and fill your lamb. Heather, newer to the church, who is strong in the prophetic, gave us this verse, Isaiah 27, 2-3, that says, At that time people will sing about the pleasant vineyard. I, the Lord, will care for that vineyard. Oh, you have, Lord. I will water it at the right time. No one will hurt it because I will guard it day and night. You know, you're hearing the connections, Martha's word, Heather's word, Janice's, others. Wade, also prophetic teacher, gave us several scriptures to consider. Um, I won't mention them at this point. Kevin, one of the six, so not says, I've heard him say many times, I know this is ours. I know this is ours. You know, the moment I walked into the building, I stopped. I felt his presence like a wall. And I felt, this is it. I was so shocked. I tried to contain myself and did not want my imagination to run off. I know he's trying to heal that part, but I was still struggling there because I was feeling with everything inside of me, this is it. Now I'm going to close with this verse from Joshua, which has been very meaningful to the six in these last four years in discernment process. It came back up to me this last month over and over And this is for us. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Be strong. Be courageous. You're going to lead this people to the inheritance, to inherit the land that I promise. Give everything you have, heart and soul. Don't get off track, either left or right. Make sure you get to where you're going, and don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. Okay, so what I want to do right now is uh, just set the table here for Randy, who's going to finish this tag team. So we have an offer that we've submitted that has been accepted to buy this property at Tesla Oaks. Uh, The offer is $1 million. $50,000. $50,000. The asking price, just so you know, was $1,190,000. So it's about $140,000 less than the original asking price. So here's how this is going to come about, if it's going to come about. 
Uh, we need to make a 20% down payment. 20% of a million fifty is $210,000. That's the down payment that we will need to come up with. We have already secured a $300,000 no interest loan. We are working to line up a commercial loan for $640,000 for this property. So that's one where we have to qualify and get the financing arranged. And if we do all of that, we'll be able to buy the property and we'll have $100,000 available to make any kind of necessary repairs, modifications, and upgrades to make that facility suitable for use. It's got some things that are going to need to be done. Uh, I'm not sure, we're not sure how far $100,000 goes, but it's, it's a pretty good start on being able to do whatever kind of repairs, get functional bathrooms, the water's not currently on, we're not sure why, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we'll have to have a whole separate process of how we prioritize that. If all of that happens, we will be closing escrow uh, by June 17th, maybe a couple of days before that, but by the middle of June, and our last day of occupancy in this building will be July 31. So there's about a month and a half between the time that escrow would close on the new property and we would be out of this building. And so with that, I'm going to let Randy take it from here. If you've been around our church for any length of time, you will know that we don't talk about money and giving very much. I can't remember the last time we did. It had to be two or three years ago. In fact, I occasionally get reprimanded by a few people that we don't talk about it enough. The primary place where we share about giving in our church is the Vineyard Basics membership class where we describe our belief and commitment to the biblical idea of the tithe which we see as clearly taught in the Old Testament. Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. And you are under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. But the tithe is also supported by Jesus in a number of places. I'm bringing one from Matthew 23. Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders for failing in their giving practices. And he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Besides the tithe, however, there are other kinds of offerings described in the Bible. Perhaps the one we're most familiar with besides the tithe is what's called the free will offering. Free will offerings or special offerings, as we call them these days, were offerings by the people for special needs or circumstances, which included the building and outfitting of both the tabernacle and then later the temple. A fairly 
lengthy statement uh, passage from Exodus 35, but I believe very important to hear because I believe this is something that we need to hear. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord, another kind of offering. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab and every skilled person to work, to, uh, to do the work. I'm sorry, every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. I was reminded this morning as I woke up thinking about this passage, That this is the first opportunity that the Israelites had ever had to give to God. The law has not yet been given. The tithe has not yet been been spoken about. The only thing they had given to prior to this was the gold that went to make the golden calf. Yet here, God invites them to give. Their hearts have been mended. They have repented. They have returned from their failings of that time. And they bring, and they bring, and they bring, and they bring. Earlier, Kevin spoke about the need to raise $210,000 for the down payment of the church property. And considering that the total giving in 2018 for the whole year was $165,617.28, that seems like kind of a big number. (laughs) However, numerous people, including Clara and myself, have sensed God saying, do not fret or be anxious about the money that he would take care of that. And here are the exact words that he said to Clara on March 16th. He said, I am more than able to give you the funds you need. 
I have... I have many obedient servants who have honored me with their money. I will call upon them. And some of those obedient servants have already communicated to us their their intentions on giving towards the down payment. And those commitments toward the down payment that we have already received equal $155,000. Not 5,000, not 15,000, not 50,000, $155,000 already committed before I even said it, we said it to you that we needed it. Something else, however, for, yes, God, uh, Kevin referenced that uh, as a part of the loan, we are securing an additional $100,000 above the property price cost. And that those funds are for the purpose of renovation, repair, and updating as he's described. Wouldn't it be awesome if we didn't have to increase our loan by that additional 100000 but could raise that along with the 210000 Or at least some portion of it. So my heart's desire for us is simply to go before the Lord as individuals, as families, and to ask God what he would have us give. As the closing date on the property purchase is June 17th, we're asking that all donations will be given and present by Sunday, June 2nd so that all can be in order and in place for transferring funds and those type of things. So please keep in mind that this is an invitation for a special offering that would be above and beyond your regular tithes. And while we do um, provide the opportunity for you to use a credit card through PayPal, just so you know, PayPal charges us 3% of all the donations that go through it. And so our request would be in this special offering that, if possible, your donations would come in the form of cash or check. Besides, we don't want you to go into debt uh, giving to the church. Somehow that doesn't sound right. And please, as you make these donations over the next weeks, um, would you please make sure that you identify that they are for the church property purchase so that we can distinguish it from the regular tithes. I'm going to uh, pause for a moment and give us a moment to take a deep breath, to consider uh, what God is doing and what is that part that he may be asking us to share with it. And so I would just encourage you, just take a moment and be still before the Lord. Celebrate the goodness, the provision that's already been made and also to be praying for what is yet to be gathered. And then to ask him, what is the part that you can bring? Let's pray.
Papa, you have uh, said that you are going to provide. And that you are even now speaking to faithful ones. Might we each be one of those faithful stewards? Might we hear your heart for our part? To give out of what we have. So that there would be more than enough. Father, I ask that you would even now be speaking to those outside our congregation who will hear of this need through the grapevine or through the sharing by friends and family and that even those outside our congregation would see and hear your voice to participate in this glorious work. Father, we didn't seek this. We weren't uh, conniving or imagining even. You have brought this. And you have said, this is my gift to you. And so we welcome you to continue that gift in the provision of all the finances to accomplish this. In Jesus' name. Let it be so. Um, Both Joy and Clara referenced aspects of their stories and suggested that they would be up here and interested to pray with anyone. Uh, I think this whole topic about money, of course, stirs all kinds of things. If you would like to talk or share with any of the leaders, uh, we will be here as well up front. If you have any questions about this, uh, the property situation and what God Uh, is doing, uh, please feel free to talk with one of uh, the six. Uh, We would be uh, happy to talk and share with you. Thanks for coming. Um, Have a great week. If you haven't gone by the property, it's 2.5 miles away, I guess. Uh, Swing on by. There's a back driveway. You can actually almost kind of go all the drive all the way around it. Not quite, but um, it's pretty, pretty amazing piece of property. All right, God bless you. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.